0: Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this first of a two-part episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by singer-songwriter James Harris. James, originally from Manchester, has called Prague home for 20-plus years He's also recorded and performed all over Europe and North America. As well as several film scores to his credit, James has also had his music featured in US, Polish, Spanish, Danish and Czech film and TV productions. He's had three number one singles on the Europa 2 music charts, Radio Play on BBC Radio 2 and BBC Radio 6, KCRW in the US, as well as national and regional TV and radio stations across Europe. James explains how his relationship with the Czech Republic started first as a 16-year-old in a school band and then returning every year after until his early 20s when he made the move permanent. We also talk about how he's managed to get a grasp of the language and why really wanting to speak it has made all the difference. Although you could say he had more of an unconventional training in it. James had just released his latest album Superstition just before the lockdown started in early 2020. James details the ups and downs of releasing and promoting a new album in such unique circumstances. There's talk of working with a writing partner for the first time, doing voiceovers for computer games and being offered strange jobs during the lockdown. We chat about cover versions being featured on Spanish TV shows, his musical influences of which there are many, playing in folk clubs and as a busker and the complexities and intricacies of performing solo, and with a band. We try to gauge what this year will be like for musicians and audiences alike and when we can get back to quote-unquote normal. Speaking of which, James also recalls the story behind his 2017 album Live in Bratislava, with quite a few tangents along the way. All this and singing to sheep,
1: let's get right to it. James Harris. I've been in the Czech Republic for 20... Just over 20 years, yeah. A long, long time. I came here as a kid, pretty much, although not officially, I guess. I came here when I was (laughs) 16 in the summer uh, with a school band. Somebody we knew had had been working in Edinburgh, I think for like BBC Scotland or something. And I think before the Velvet Revolution, there was a BBC Scotland Czechoslovak TV co-production on some fairy tale and so we'd made some connection with people over here and i think that's why we got up with the bus over you know and uh and came to play some a couple of concerts you know i don't know how many six seven maybe i don't know and we were probably rubbish but uh it was like 1991 or, i guess or 92 16 or, I'm getting on. That's why. That's why it's a bit vague. I can't remember. <laughs> I kind of fell in love with the place. You know, it was twofold. I guess that um, it was back then. It was only like what 18 months after the revolution. Everything was really kind of free. Not like kind of uptight Britain. Um, everything was dirt cheap, relatively. Obviously, not for locals. Everything's relative, isn't it? But well, everything that I needed as a 16 year old, you know, which was just beer and cheese you know what they didn't eat and also bins, you know 16 what, what you didn't eat and also there was an element of we we were rubbish we were no one but um there was definitely that kind of then not anymore i'm sure but then it was like anything from from the west like a, a british musician in some little town in the czechoslovakia it's like it was um wasn't that common, I guess, at the time? So that everyone would show up to see you and just assume you were great, just for being not Czech or something. Something you could you could sing a Beatles song and around a campfire and with a with a you know an English accent, you know, oh, yeah,
0: genius. Well, there's a kind of order,
1: mysticism around it as well, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess not. I mean, I mean, not anymore. I mean, there was definitely a lot of innocence and a lot of naivety. But you know, sixteen. What do you want? You know, it's. Uh... Yeah. And I kind of <laughs> fell in love with, it. and I came back the following year and sort of repeated the same thing. And then I and I kept coming back. Then I met a Czech girl who is now my wife. Still, <laughs> like, so I never left really from when I was twenty, twenty-two. I think I kind of have been here ever since, pretty much. Well, like, um, this is my base. Obviously, I've been playing all over the place, but um, traveling a lot. But this is where I. I guess i've called home since then so when people say where are you from i was like, now i guess it's here you know i'm, I'm from yeah. Prague, you know and i'm trying to become czech so then i'll say this i'm 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 czech i'm from prague you don't sound it <laughs> funny name but uh <laughs> no right <laughs> i'll be back to the uh-huh. yeah and then i'll go back to britain and then you know keep the british passport but we'll see
0: yeah well that's another story for another day how long did it take you to get the to get round the czech language i mean it's a, a never-ending seeming thing
1: right it just keeps <laughs> surprising you well I, i'm glad I, I came here when i was that young i guess because also it's just naivety and, and uh, innocence and a bit more sponge-like and that i really wanted to speak czech i, I didn't want to only be able to speak English although of course at the time people wanted to speak English to me to practice their English I'd kind of like no no I'm speaking Czech so I used the method of everything I would hear I kind of store somewhere when I still had a memory which reminds me, it would make it much harder now and we just kind of repeat if someone said something to me I'd, I'd kind of like assume it meant that and I'd kind of learn it and then I'd sort of try it out on somebody else and if it you kind of gauge whether it was correct or not I never had a lesson I kind of learned it in Clubs and bars and those kind of places, which sometimes isn't the best because it works. Sometimes, you know, you, you say something, you say, you sound like a docker or something, but, you know, I picked up some terms that perhaps were not commonly used in polite society, maybe. But it was um, right. an interesting way of, of learning better than going to class and like my dad smokes a pipe, you know, my at the weekend, <laughs> I play football. I was well into trying to like talk about music and everything, you know. Which to this day, although my Czech's pretty okay, I guess I'd still still if I have to speak Czech all day, and and do stuff if I'm traveling with a band and and performing in this country, where they, you know talking to everybody, sometimes it's still a bit tiring. It's nice to it's nice to do an interview in English actually. Sure. <laughs> like I don't have to I don't have to concentrate so much. Well, that's a nice segue
0: into how how have you been finding things since we've we've been on a lockdown pretty much simultaneously between Germany and the Czech Republic. I guess there's not much difference between. How
1: have you managed to get through it? Uh, at the beginning, it was pretty tough, actually, because I think probably because i just put out a record, I put out a brand new record on the 24th of February 2020. And I had this long tour lined up till. I'd started the tour. I was, uh, I don't know, like 11 days into the tour when the thing got pulled. It was supposed to be running till the 4th of June. And you know, so I hadn't really kind of. I was getting a lot of radio and press, and I was supposed to go to Germany and and places and and do stuff, and that never materialised. And so I never really managed to hit the momentum. And I just had to, it just kind of hit this brick wall. Like in what was it? We were on lockdown here in March. About I think my last show was the day before the lockdown. And even then, I didn't really want to go play it. I think I even wrote them. I'm not going to come because I sensed that it was just. It was a kind of strange time because I think like maybe a week before that, it was still ah oh, it's all in China and it, it came really, really quick. Right, yeah, and then right. there was a couple of days before the lockdown. I think I didn't play two. I said I'm not gonna go play. And then the government here said, Right, you can only you can only play to fifty people or something. It all, all of a sudden all of a sudden it came down to this, poof, well does that make sense? And the promoter's going, Yeah, come play, come play. You know, you've got you've sold these tickets. I'm ah, but I feel too bad. I'm I'm to standing in front of fifty people and you know, it was a very, very uncertain time, but it came so fast. So I hadn't really kind of, I felt I hadn't really started with this record. as a brand new record, slightly different for me. And so I felt, I just felt like a real blow. <laughs> like It was like, oh no. Which had happened to me once before in, I think, whatever year that was, 2007, I think. I was supposed to be a big show in London. Yeah, and that yeah, was but... a night I was supposed to be playing this yeah. huge... It was like I don't know. It was kind of. But I was supposed to be playing for the like Jules Holland's producers or something. I was, you know, I had a record, had a new record out then, and this was like the big, and you know that kind of. So I felt kind of like oh, start again. But fortunately, we managed to disappear for about two weeks to a, a an old farmhouse that um, somebody I, we know here in Prague has on top of a mountain. And there was still snow. It's like in the on a mountain in a forest. The nearest building is you know it's a couple of hundred meters away and it's like a, there's nothing there so we disappeared and so it was nice easing into just like i'd take a guitar and sit in the woods It was cold but like it was sunny cold so for about that between like two one and one and two in the afternoon it was warm enough to sit out and just sing to the trees and try and get used to the situation but it was a bit of a shock and then everyone's like oh she must be writing loads of music i couldn't i just felt like i felt um like I was like, I just stopped doing anything. I just, oh, this is it. This is awful. Like, okay. Cause of course. It's been a bit flat. Yeah. Well, cause I was just getting emails every day going, well, this gig's canceled. This gig's canceled. And it, obviously everything was immediately canceled till June. And I was like, I had, I don't know, 40 shows or something just gone, vanished. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? You know, I've still not quite figured it out. <laughs> but out of that came, when we came back to Prague and it was, it was kind of weird, but I was just contacting people from my past in the US and in Britain and all over the place, like music supervisors and film people, because I've managed to license songs for films in the past. And I've written film soundtracks as well, a few of them. So I was like, I thought, okay, ooh, I'll I'll do that. And I was lucky enough to license or get the three songs licensed last year. And that kind of gave that kind of financial kind of cushion a little bit of like, <sighs> Get, you know, and then take stock of like it's not there are people, I know but <laughs> the other thing is I was like whenever I'd be like riding that kind of wave of like it's okay, the sun's shining, I'm doing all right, you know, and then if you dip down, it's always worth reminding I'm just constantly reminding myself, look, I don't have em- employees, I don't pay anyone. I don't have rent on a shop or a factory or you know, I don't have overheads, I've got family, but I, it's not that bad. I'm lucky, you know, I've got this far playing music and doing what I love forever and doing well enough at it to not have to do anything else this will be okay you know and I kept repeating this and then in the summer they kind of opened up so small there were some small little festivals that were nice and it was so I could get to play again and then in the autumn I just started writing tons of songs (laughs) I I got I got um and then I, I I got a new computer and I kind of dusted off I dusted off my old um, recording equipment because I'm supposed to do a film, uh, the full soundtrack, which I'm supposed to start next week or the week after. And so I kind of like, I get my recording shops up again, you know? and so i've i thought i'd you know dust this stuff off and i'd just play around with getting tones for guitars and vocals with this new plugins and stuff then all of a sudden i realized i've just recorded like a double album of <laughs> depressing <laughs> ballads i mean i think i've got i've got this in front of me i think i'm up to i've recorded 21 of them 21 new that's songs. quite a flourish well i started i started just after new year i think so yeah in the last six weeks but it's kind of slow I just like do a song a day and the, the sound is judged by um, influenced what are your influences the building is the influence because everyone's at home office the kids I mean you can uh, if you play anything remotely loudly it's like and you know so everything has to be very quiet so it's quite a quiet record just because i can record some guitar in the morning i can mm-hmm. sing a little bit uh, the whole double album which will never see the light of day i'm sure but um is quite quiet it's a complete reverse from the last thing i just put out but i get that's the way i always seem to do things by it's not not by design just by accident you know also this sort of in amongst of this panic of work, what can I do you know I, I I can't really do anything else I have been for a couple of I went um went for a job interview in a hospital saying I would do all the tests you know and they offered me the job but it was just crazy I decided for the benefit of the family not to do it because the hours were crazy (laughs) the money was kind of crazy too but and it was like danger money they were going to pay me danger money because i'd be like dealing with coronavirus so i didn't take that job but there's very little else on offer you know so i I ended up focusing i thought i'd been on a songwriting camp a couple a european songwriting camp a couple of years back and i'd done some co-writing with people in the past i did it in london a few years back and although looking back on it, it was for me it was a painful experience, because I'd never done it before, and I was like co-writing with someone is was really difficult for me because I'm not you know I'd never done it before. Writing to me was always kind of a personal thing, and I was doing it with this who was like, don't be so precious, just you know chuck stuff out and I was I felt too inhibited to like come up with i mean I still am to a, to a degree but far less so, but you know, you come up with something and you think oh, it takes me a while before I realize, is it any good or is it is it shit?" Do you know what I mean? You'd constantly, every day I come up with something. Now I try to write some music every single day. And of course, seven days in a week, maybe there'll be seven shit bits of music, but then maybe the next week, there might be half an idea somewhere, but standing in a room under pressure. Yeah, a couple but of now nuggets. you're the top line and you've come up with the you come up with lyrics. Ah, like, come like, up, come up with lyrics now? I'm, i have to go for a walk. <laughs> I have to see something, I have to be spot. You know? <laughs> and so I was, I've, I've just ended up just closing myself up completely. But I learned a lot of lessons from it and I'm very grateful for, for being useless at it for the first couple of tries. But then I was invited to this European songwriting camp where I met a whole bunch of people doing, they are writing pop songs for people and trying to get music songs placed and stuff. So I called a couple of those up, those contacts up and I ended up doing some, and this is the, with the top line and, and lyric writing for some dutch dance label which is like completely completely out of the out of anything that I have anything to do with it's just like complete doots doom 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 that, and that was it you know they give you that here's the here's the track and and you've got to think of the melody and I mean, they just need little hooks we well, just make need them four, happen. we just need four hooks man you know for all these club bangers, for all these clubs that are <laughs> shot. I didn't understand it, but it was kind of a just, yeah, why not? It's better than stacking shells. And last week when you contacted me, I was doing a voiceovers for a computer game. <laughs> just a totally bizarre, you know. So there's all kinds of weird stuff just to, just to keep going. I think voiceover for computer games is the most bizarre thing I've, I've managed to do <laughs> this year. Of course, I, I, miss, I miss playing But I think more than missing playing, maybe, it's missing traveling and and catching up with folk that, uh, like Dortmund. I mean, I go back to Dortmund and there's a couple of people I know there. I mean, I'm kind of friends with them. You know, I don't see them that often, but it's good just to swing by once a year, have a couple of drinks, catch up, see how the family's doing, see how tricks are. And then, of course, the whole meeting new people. It's interesting, and it's 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 something I've always. It's, I mean, I've twenty odd years of doing it. I, that, I think I I physically <laughs> I miss that as much as the 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 money in that way because I I realized this year, yeah, I've I can do stupid voices for a computer game, and you know, it'll see me through for a bit. But the the traveling and the the meeting people and the adventures and the just the the craziness of it all, I miss more than more than anything else. I think. Well, once
0: an old troubadour, eh? it's kind of hard to kind get of, like, to grow yeah, it.
1: It's just a never-ending tour, you know. And I, I haven't. That's the other thing. I've got quite a loud voice from years of, uh, you know, the way I I started, you know, singing in bars with like with a six-piece band and like one microphone hanging down from the ceiling, you know, like the back room of some pub. And, <laughs> somewhere you know with banjos and fiddles and everything and you've got like you've got to get over the sound of a <laughs> banjo and a fiddle and all the people getting drunk at the bar so that the barman will like pay you and, and you know give you drinks so you had to kind of you had to project you know like <laughs> um, when that's it, and my voice was always quite loud and, and you know the muscles were pretty okay but I realized that I had not really sung loudly since i don't know uh the, the end of the summer probably you know so that's kind of a change but this the songs the new songs they're kind of quiet just because of the situation but they're not really they're not really corona virus influence they don't think directly so nothing's really changed in that i don't think apart from trying trying new things you know one of the the songs that i
0: heard a while ago when we first kind of talked about doing the interview was like the
1: the Yazoo cover. Just when you mentioned synthesizers, there, you know, only you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's that, yeah, that's a weird one. I totally forgot I even did that. I completely forgot I did that. Um, and someone reminded me of that recently. Got oh, you've got like a million, but in Spain because, um, it's on a Spanish TV show, it's like me singing a Yazoo song on some you know Spanish EastEnders or something. It's like every I look at this Spotify thing, not very often, but um. Yeah, there's like thousands of people, all from Spain, listening to Yazoo, and I I completely forgot and I did it. I must have done that like six, seven years ago, maybe. But it's just been on the telly there recently. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for reminding me.
0: The Blast from the Past. Oh, it sounds great. I mean, it's kind of nice when you hear different interpretations of songs, like you and I were a similar age, so we'll remember it from the first time, right? Or at least I I remember Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Alison Moye, no? Isn't it? Yeah, right. And uh, Vince Klaasco. Because he was the Depeche Mode guy, and then he left and went into the... Eurasia. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a great song. Upstairs, Eric's might be the album. I can't remember exactly, but it's, it's
1: something like that. A blast from the ah, It's a great, it is a good song. It is a good song, indeed. Yeah. No, I would say that, that song isn't really, I don't think really typical of, of my own songs, but that's why I've totally forgot about it. But you're strangely the second person to remind me of it in like about two months. So I should listen to it and relearn it or something. I liked her voice, but I would. I, I was a kid with Eurasia and everything, and I, I, I didn't really like that kind of sound. I was far more into, as a teenager, like 13 you know sort of collecting Beatles records in fact if I go around to someone's house you know I'd always raid the the, the mum or dad's record you're like oh you forgot oh, Crosby stills Nash right, and Young yeah. you know they're all listening <laughs> to Eurasia and things and I'm going oh, oh, oh. I I'd um, I, I love the Beatles from quite a young age actually I think probably I remember my mum had uh, like one of their first EPs you know that was at home and I'd, I'd be playing that as a kid, you know. And Elvis, my uncle was mad Elvis fan. You know, like uh, go around and visit my granddad because they lived together, and they it, it have Elvis mirrors, Elvis uh, just uh, just everything was Elvis in the house. You know, like it seemed to me. either that or horses. My granddad liked horses. Um, well, I'm betting on horses. <laughs> like so, he had like <laughs> he had like statues of horses on the mantelpiece and horse mirrors. And my other uncle had Elvis, and I think he gave me an Elvis a couple of Elvis albums for Christmas as a kid. So, I, I you know, as a, as, a, as a small child, like Elvis and, and the Beatles. And then from then, you know, the kind of being a bit of a fan of that kind of music from that kind of era, then, of course, it was Dylan, which was then Glenn and Cohen, you know, all those kind of people. But, of course, I didn't, I used to love it, but I used to go, to like, you know, I'd go to second-hand record shops at the weekend and if they will just look at record sleeves of... Jefferson Airplane or something, and I, I didn't I couldn't listen to any of this stuff. I was just kind of like, oh, that, I bet you that sounds cool, and you would read about it somewhere, You've got a psychedelic something, <laughs> you know, Rocky Erickson, you know, who I got to meet in Austin, not, but when he was pretty <laughs> just before he died. I kind of imagined what this music would sound like, having read, and then when you finally get around to hearing, it, you are going, oh, you know, it's good, but it, 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 it's different. So I was kind of more into that yeah. that kind of thing you know which then led to strangely enough uh jazz i got into jazz as a teenager probably because i started reading you know like kerouac and which is probably what started me off in this whole hmm. on the road has got a lot to answer for <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that jazz things sort or of, like miles, miles davis and that or nothing not so much charlie parker was it again Charlie Parker was a name, but I, I probably heard like one or two recordings. It was, it just, I didn't have it. It didn't exist. Lester Young and the, those kind of people. I remember getting a Thelonious Monk album, thinking this, and just wore that out. I got a Charlie Mingus album, which I kind of wore out, and I, I didn't really get it. But I thought if I play it often enough, I would. <laughs> this jazz legend that I didn't it was just too much for me maybe so it was that ca- that thing i was listening to but then of course her cousin was just madly; he wouldn't listen to anything other than the smiths you know so that uh i liked the smiths before morrissey was a
0: first band i saw was the smiths man 1985 really? in the glasgow barrenland there you go wow yeah, yeah. i saw them twice oh i saw them God. a year after as well I think the second year I saw them they had the two guitar players remember the remember the other guy what was his name Craig Gannon I think it was kind of yeah. was on the Smiths for like six months and then he disappeared again you know he was that guy that was a bit strange uh-huh. that, was, that was the kind of beginning and, of the and, end um, of that tour what was the Queen no it wasn't the Queen is
1: Dead yeah, the I think time. he the, when they got the second guitarist
0: in that was the end wasn't it that was the beginning of the end anyway but Smiths were great man. But, um, Morrissey's a bit
1: questionable yeah, yeah. these
0: days but uh, the Smiths were great <laughs>
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then, you know, the same kind of time, there was a Echo and the Bunnymen record I loved, you know, that kind of Stone Roses thing. But I was a bit too young to be going to any of the shows then. So when I started going to concerts, it was almost that kind of that kind of crusty thing. it's started, you know, that kind of new folk, like the levelers who I've played with and um, the Wonder Stuff, you know, which I wasn't a huge uh, oh, yeah. okay. fan of. Right. I Although I did, I did do it on a tour with Miles Hunt, I supported Miles Hunt a few years back on a UK tour. So it was cool. Was there that a song, The Size of a Cow? Is that what it was called? The yeah, yeah, yeah. The Size that of a Cow. cow. The Size of a Cow. I think that might have been a record, wasn't it? Was it off? Oh, or yeah. yeah. A couple of the albums on cassette. If I was on tour with him, I think the last night was in York. And he goes, because he hadn't played my favorite. There was a one Wonderstuff song and I can't remember it now. And I said, would you play that for me? And he goes, everyone wants that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I hate playing that song. He did play that night. So that 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 kind of scene was about, and that was random when I was time. Uh, me and the friend of mine, Steve, who was playing banjo, we'd kind of go out busking, you know, get the get the train to Preston or something, and busk by the, the bus stop, you know. So there was that kind of folky element, and of course playing folk clubs and and things. That kind of I also that kind of session thing, which I've I've done live in Britain for a long time. I imagine it still does exist, but there was always like you know you go down the local pub on a Tuesday night and there'd be. Guitars passed around and people singing some ballad about something or other. And then you <laughs> want to... I remember going to a couple of folk clubs actually when uh, there was one, this this woman stood up, she was a blind lady singing, and she just gets out these sh- just pages and pages of Braille thinking, and, and you were in this folk club, you were allowed, was it one song? And they just sit down and it went round in a circle, you know, if you were invited and we were invited to play. She was the opening act, you know, and I swear it's about 12 minutes long. And she finished one page of Braille, and then rather, than, you know, the song wasn't particularly fluid. She just sort of turned the page over, pick up another one, and continue chapter twenty-seven. You know, and then it came around to us, and we just banged out like some tune in about like, like the Ramones in like two Three minutes. minutes of the, not even that, just like two <laughs> minutes of just like, rah, and the whole room <laughs> the President of the folk club, kind of on. Well, you can have another one. All right, cool. <laughs> so that's why I think I started playing acoustic music and, and obviously traveling. I was like, whenever was, I was busking in Paris. Yeah, I went to Paris as a, what, I was 16 or something. And rather than seeing the sights, I just ended up busking every day outside of sights. And that, that it's just that that's the kind of music that lent itself to, to just acoustic completely, you know, shouting loudly and, and, and busking around. Before I ended up here, things slightly changed, I guess. I, I have a band. I've got a great band right now. We just don't play. <laughs> but it's a trio, the drums, piano, and me. But there's like a young Czech pianist who's a, a player for Yamaha. So he goes around trade fairs pl- demonstrating all the, how all this okay. shit works. So he's got this kind of keyboard and the umpteen pedals, and he's capable of playing... Not just like the piano, he's, but he's got, you know, he can play other instruments and other lines all kind of interwoven. And the drummer, David, he's, he's, uh, he's got like two of those pads. So he's triggering, triggering stuff. And, and as well as drumming, I, it's far too much for me. I just stand at the front with a guitar. <laughs> yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah, they do stuff. I don't understand. It's too beyond me, you know, I've Got a couple <laughs> of guitar. I've got a couple of electric guitars and each of them just have like volume tone. I don't. I can't deal with it any more than that, which is probably why I play acoustic guitar. It's like, but it's it comes, you know, it comes and goes. Of course, it depends on money. You know, in certain, in, some, in Germany, I always play solo. Yeah, in Britain, I was playing with a band for a while, uh, In America, I've, I made a couple of records there, and I've toured there with a band. But it's an American band, you know. And over here, a few years back, I I was playing a lot with a band. So three records ago, I had a but we were like a five piece or something. Although in Vienna, we, I got a string section on there too. There's a couple of gigs I, I got strings to play with us. And it just became crazy, you know. It was a financial thing more than anything else. I was kind of going out on tour, because it wasn't really a band, you know, it was me with friends who I was paying. And after a year or two of that, you need a year or two playing solo to make it to make sense. Because the difference with being with, with me, you know, I play solo or play with a band difference i strangely enough and it's something I can't get my head around the audiences it's not bigger if you play with a band they're pretty much the same it doesn't make doesn't seem to make any difference, but the money isn't that much different. that much difference so it's sadly there's a financial concern that I play a lot solo, although having said that, I've played so many years solo that I love it It's a completely different approach you know to the gig if i've got playing with a band. Especially this new one where he's got so many things he needs to do, and he has to load in sounds on his keyboard and that he's got that couple of keyboards, so he has to have a set list, so I have to kind of guess what what it's going to be you know, and it tended to be on that tour the same set list every night or i would throw something in the in the middle just on a whim, they were good enough to to follow me, but it really was set. And it had to be in the same key, of course, and it had to be the same rhythm, of course. Whereas when I play solo I can play what I want, you know. I wrote this song this afternoon, I can do it. Or here's a song that maybe you've you know, some people in the audience would have heard from some film or radio or something. But I can play in a different key, I can play it I can play it as a waltz. I can play whatever I want. So I've got that complete freedom. And also when people come see a solo artist, they kind of I think they maybe even expect something different, you know. I never go on about, oh, this song's about the time I was in, you know, brussels and, and whatever broke my heart when I, I never sort of although i interestingly in germany i've had this a few times and in holland as well tends to be older people who come up to me and go oh, i quite like your gig but i do wish you told me what all the songs are about in between and then they'll say something like oh last week we had such and such a person here and he was telling us really interesting stories about what the song's about and i uh, don't like doing that i prefer everyone to make their own mind over what the song's about you know right. And sometimes that's quite, well, actually, sometimes, once it was quite funny. I remember some fella coming up to me in, uh, I don't know, Nottingham, maybe or something. And he's like, Oh, God, that song you played, number eight, which I've no idea what number eight was. But I was like, Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I completely can completely relate to that. Exactly that happened to me and my ex girlfriend with this and this. And he tells me this story. I'm like, I just I'm I'm still trying to think what the hell was the song. You know, it didn't make any sense to me at all. His story. I'm going, but of course I'm agreeing with him, I'm going, Ah, oh, thank you so much. It's a really nice one that resonates with people. I oh, thank you, you know, like being generous and oh it's great, it's great, great, great. Oh, so which which you know I want to buy a CD. Which which C D is this song on? I still haven't got a clue what he's talking about. So I had to sort of admit, I go, so I can't remember. There's no set list, I can't remember which one it is. Can you sing it? So he goes, Oh my god, that's It's about. I didn't want to break it to him, but it had my version of what that song was or where it came from with me, because I wrote the thing. Was so far removed from anything that he mentioned. It wasn't even on the same page, you know. So that's. If I but if I said up there and this song's about the guy would have got a completely different take on it, you know. So that occasionally happens. But having said that, when I do play solo, occasionally if the whim takes me or there's some heckler or something, then there'll be some kind of long drawn out monologue on something. There's some kind of chatter to just to break up the, I think if you've got to go one one person on stage with one or two instruments, maybe I'll have, if I'm on tour, maybe there's a piano there. I'll play piano for a few songs. But generally I travel with one guitar just because I can't be, I can't carry that much stuff anymore. You know, I used to have like two, maybe even like three different guitars with different sounds, but like, like it's too much effort but if you just got one guitar which is generally okay loud fast songs quiet slower songs but it's still one guy in a guitar it's the same voice it's kind of it, it does become quite intense at times i think it needs to be broken up with some kind of cheeky banter or something you know some kind of life story <laughs> not always which i don't really tend to do with a band very much there it's like get on boom get off so that's kind of different
0: So now I have a band
1: and solo and we'll see when this thing starts up again.
0: Yeah, well, that's the next step though, James, isn't it? No one really knows how this next stage is going to be as a, either as a performer or as part of the audience. I mean, how is it going to work? Is it going to work on restricted numbers or are we ever going to see big festivals anymore? I mean, who knows? There's lots of these unanswered questions eh?
1: I'm sure there'll be big festivals again, but not for a couple of years. I can't see anything. I mean, certainly not this year. I think everything's been cancelled, hasn't it? Yeah,
0: Glastonbury's
1: done, eh? so I'm pretty sure they're all... No, I've heard of a few that have have pulled the plug. I mean, if Glastonbury and the big ones aren't happening, then the big acts from America aren't going to come, and I guess it's, you know... I can't see any big festivals this year. Maybe not even next year. But of course, I'm sure it'll come back, you know. It'll just be strange for a while. I'm kind of hoping right. everyone's going to be so hungry for it that they'll all be out. But the only downside of that, of course, even if I wasn't playing, right? I imagine in in, in Prague when it, they do open it up and gigs are allowed to be, and if I'm not, if I've got a day off and I'm not playing, I'm not I'm at home and I want to go see a gig. I there's a fear that I'll and there'll be like ten bands I want to go see because there's going to be. I mean, even me, all those that whole tour, the, I don't know how many shows I've been. 50-odd shows, some of them have been cancelled, but some of them are still being postponed. In fact, yesterday I got an email that I've been rescheduled for the end of January 22. And that's is from a show that was supposed to be March 20. And then it was got put off to October 20. And then I was supposed to play, I think, in, in October. No, so not October. April this year, or May maybe. And they just said, nah. And then there was talk of it going into the autumn this year. And they go, no, 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 so January 22. But just imagine how many bands and artists and musicians have have had the same dates put on, you know, like so. Some kind of bigger band is supposed to be here in March twenty, and they're now going to be here in March twenty-two. In between those two years, how many records will have come out? How many new bands? How much? And, and everyone's going to want to be playing, and all the clubs are going to be heaving, you know. There's going to be every night some something great happening. I hope. <laughs> I want to see that band, but I, I was, went to see the other band last night. I got no cash left, you know. Like I don't know, I I don't know. I think that I, I guess no one knows. I'm kind of excited for the whole thing opening because I think it's going to be you know like the the end of the world or something. But um, we'll see. I don't optimism, it's optimism, James. No, no but I, in, but in a good way, like in a celebratory. Wow, you yeah, know, right. Exactly. It's, going right, to be, yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be like just the biggest party, man. You know? It's like wow, because I think we need that communal. I said this recently. I've never sung in a choir ever. When I was up, as I said, up in the in the mountains at the beginning of this whole thing, there was um, a farmer. He had sheep in a in a field. So I go sing to the sheep, just for some audience, you know, an appreciative audience of these sheep. And so I'd sing with the sheep, and they all kind of go meh. With a glass of wine or two, thinking I'd quite like to go sing in a choir, not a sheep choir, like a proper. Just to feel right, that proper. Yeah, a proper human choir. Just to just to stand in the middle of that and just share that communal thing, which is what music's all about anyway. Just yeah, um right. you know, just standing and just feeling that community. it's not just this is why I'm not a huge fan of like online concerts. Because you haven't got that I mean I've played a few, but it's difficult to play because you've got nothing to react against. You've you finished a song, it's like uh you don't play for the applause. <laughs> But you get the, but the applause and the room kind of shapes the the set in a way. It shapes the mood of the set. So you play to that, and if you get people to sing and, and kind of be part of that kind of communal thing, and when that works, it's there's there's nothing better as a performer and as a as a as an audience member. You know that's the holy grail of just getting that that power of all being together at once. You know, and when it happens, it's uh, there's nothing better. So I'm looking forward to that, you know, <laughs> maybe and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to join a choir and just stand in the middle.
0: It was kind of on the tangent of live performance and stuff. One of the the records I really liked on your, your playlist or on your Spotify page is the Live in Bratislava EP. I know that's not your most current release or the, the, the last thing you did, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, well it's live, but with without an audience? I've done two live albums, one in Bratislava and one in Oakland in California, both in kind of similar circumstances, and that was with my touring band for the record before. And uh, well, I joined sound checks and rehearsal. Well, we, we actually didn't rehearse until once the tour before the tour started, we rehearsed. But then, you know, we do a sound check. I'd pull out a new song, or we kind of learnt songs on the road, sort of so to speak. And we got to a point of having like, toured that record for a year or something, and we had a few songs that I I liked, you know. And I and this fella from Bratislava, who works in some something to do with TV and media, used to work on the radio. He called me up or I ran into him after a gig. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> I'd say that I see after a gig in Bratislava. He goes, James, do you want to come and record? Hello. And so we've, I've just made a record, really. It's still it goes, yeah, but you've got these other songs. I'll arrange it in um, with some friends of mine. We have a studio, real real house music studio in Bratislava, and so I went out to see the studio, and I thought I didn't think it really fit the the, the what I wanted from the studio. So I said, like, "Ah," oh, but they said, "Don't worry, we've got this other studio we can use." It's a big old TV studio in Bratislava that's kind of like a ghost town because I think after they built it in the late 80s, but they never opened it because it was too big. And then at 93, Czechoslovakia split and Czech mm. TV was privatized mainly. And so they built this whole new complex somewhere. To so the old building from the 70s or something, I don't think it was ever really used after 89. And they had these huge old studios, like, you know, like proper big, studio where you can fit an orchestra in you know um abbey road studio two or studio one size big big rooms we went in there so oh, this room's perfect but we went to the control room and all the gear had been ripped out over the years they had these big old i was told that you could see what these old studio tape machines had been bolted in and these big the desk was still there but all the, the tube the tubes and all the wiring mm. had been ripped out to repair other desks somewhere else so if we can record here i'd love to come back and record and so they arranged it all for me to go down and record for a day. So we went down the day before, set up, sound checked, and then tried to have an early night. But um, the band kind of went out, and we reconvened in the morning with a oh yeah, the guitarist. Fortunately, I swapped rooms with him for some reason. We our keys swatched switched. That was what it was. I think he was rudely awoken. Actually, not really woke. He was woken at like seven o'clock in the morning by the manager. <laughs> dum, 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 dum. Is this your band. You're the band leader. He's like, oh, I'm just a guitar player. But they didn't know where I was. So I get to sleep. <laughs> they had uh, security footage of um, the keyboard player, the pianist, in the reception about 3.30 in that morning, trying to climb up a wall that had just been painted. He had filthy shoes. So we all got called down to the reception and look, look up there. I was, I was like, well, fair play. He was on the ceiling, and you could see these, these black <laughs> footprints because it was oh, know—it was chaos. I felt very guilty, and they wanted to... Um, that's not really much about that record. Though. So we went to the studio, uh, we, we got into the studio, and it was a bit of a slow start, as you can imagine, and we just pressed record, and, uh, I, again, I, I kind of set rules as I tend to set rules when I record, and then I tend to forget I've set rules. But I just, the record before that was like a long, drawn out, big production. You know, lots of, it was just like a big production and then days of trying to get it mixed and mastered. And it was just a really long, drawn out process. And with these songs, I thought these songs are good to go. Let's just record everyone in the same room, no headphones. Press record, we'll do the whole thing. We'll do three takes of each song and we'll choose the best. No click track, no nothing. We'll choose the best take and put it out. And then immediately, I think immediately delete the others. That was the other thing. Just make a decision on the feel. Like, what, that felt good. Uh, Do three takes, take two felt best. Right, get rid of the others, you know. And uh, for better or worse, we put out the EP like that. I think that was there five songs on it, I think. And one of them... Yeah. One of them ended up on a, a Polish film last year or two years ago. Yeah, it could have been last year. Nothing was, <laughs> it couldn't have been last year because I was in Poland at the time. I went to the premiere of this Polish film because I had a song on it and I just finished the tour. I was on tour in Poland. I got an invite to the premiere and strangely enough, I was the last day of my tour was in Warsaw and the film premiere was the following day. So I yeah, I'm in Warsaw, I'll stay another day, you know? So I went to the premiere, which again was kind of nuts. But that there was a song from that EP on there. So it gave it another kind of lease of life elsewhere. But it's good.
0: It's a really nice EP and it it's I had it on in the background, you know, not just on the little speaker and and I was just kinda of like, yeah, this is this is I like this. This is really cool.
1: Ah, well thank you. That's that's lovely to hear. I'm glad. It's found a home somewhere. <laughs> Do you know what? Obviously I don't listen to these things once they're made, but um that was such a joy to make. It was such a, it was, it was a cool night beforehand. And it was a lovely day in the studio and everything was just, everything was just like really easy, you know, because we just decided to do it that way. There was no, there's no indecision on anything. No, no that mixing decisions to make. It, there's so much bleed. That's it. That's the take. I think I needed that at the time, just uh, something easy. And I, hopefully it comes across. I, think, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm glad you like it anyway.
0: You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Instagram at can't way home, on Facebook at expat pod, and of course you can find us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll find us there. Until the next one, this is Greg saying cheers.